Welcome to the Volatile Weekly Podcast. This is episode five of the Volatile Weekly Podcast. Uh, This week I was able to speak with Jamie Reynolds of the band 1967. This was a fantastic conversation. Really, really enjoyed talking to him and John. And uh, definitely check out their music. These these guys are amazing. Hello, uh, my name is Jared. I run a website called uh, Volatile Weekly. Uh, its main focus is uh, with uh, interviews and uh, putting out uh various uh, materials such as like album releases, um, uh, uh, tours, uh, singles, music videos, uh, uh, anything that uh, artists want to get out into the world. And uh, this is uh, the podcast side of it, which has just been started. So I'll tell you what, um, uh, right now I have uh, uh, Jamie Reynolds and John Kersog with me and um how about you guys uh uh tell me about yourselves jamie do you, you want to go first yeah yeah my name is jamie I'm, I'm with the band 1967 and i live in portland oregon it's where the band's currently based i grew up near seattle washington and i play guitar i sing in the band I've played bass in the band. I've played drums in the band over the years. Um, and we're promoting a new track, a new single that was just released on March 1st called Living Life on Life's Terms. And uh, yeah, we recorded it back in about 2018, 2019 or so. And that's where John Kurzweig kind of had entered the picture uh, to help out with that. We had linked up in the New Mexico area and figured all that out. That was a really cool experience. And yeah, I've been a musician a long time. Gosh, almost 30 years now. Started playing piano. I was about four years old. Learning recitals by ear and very, very bored with piano lessons that I took for four years. So that's kind of how I got started. My grandmother had taught me to play for a little while at the beginning before my first official music teacher. And I wish I could say that was a good experience too. <laughs> yeah, then there was music around the house. People were listening to it. My mom was listening to all the classic rock stuff. My dad was listening to older, like old rock, oldies and things like that. And there was instruments all around the house, everything from drums, guitars, bass, piano, organs, you name it. And as soon as I started discovering music when I was a, a little kid, I would just start putting on the, the cassette tapes and learning all the bass lines and all that good stuff, learning all the drum parts and everything. And just, just kind of been a self-taught musician, but I've had a lot of theory background as well with piano and playing percussion all the way through my school years. And uh, yeah, it's been a cool ride. I've been in many bands, but I was in a prog metal band for about 10 years. Uh, from my teens to my you know mid to late 20s called Prozac Staple. And then uh, 
my early 30s hit and I started a band called 1967 in 2011 in Phoenix, Arizona. I was living there and uh, yeah, there's been many different incarnations of the band and recording sessions and a lot of solo acoustic shows. A lot of fun, really. Still going. I don't even know why it's still going, <laughs> but I've enjoyed it. And uh, the, the most recent recordings I'm, I'm pretty excited about, and it was, it was great to work with John Kurzweig. So yeah, I think, uh, I think that's all I got right now. Okay. And uh, uh, how about you, John? Yeah, well, um, you know, I, I've been a musician my whole life uh, also, and a lot of similarities uh, to Jamie, like um, having uh, drums and piano and guitars around the house and having to start on piano and being getting bored with that <laughs> and uh um you know learning to play a lot of different instruments and then and then um in in the 80s i started uh messing around with learning how to record and uh first first myself and then uh, around the late 80s I started producing other bands and um and did a lot of a lot of bands and um recorded a lot of different bands in a lot of different places but none of them really broke through and um then was lucky enough and uh I started an album with a band in 96 that no one had heard of and then um in 97 that end of 97, I believe, that we put out the first record by the band Creed. And we had done that album in my house in Florida, where I lived at the time. I lived in Florida at the time. And then that led to, you know, because of their success, and uh, that led to a lot more production projects for me. And gosh, I probably was producing kind of nonstop non-stop till about 2006 um and then went back to kind of splitting my time between um uh playing and uh producing uh and, and i had moved to new mexico in 2003 uh in santa fe and um so yeah i started, started producing a little less and 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 doing a decent amount of mixing and then playing some again myself. And, and I, and I guess a few years ago, um, I don't know if it was two years ago now or what I can't remember when um, uh, a friend of mine told me about uh, Jamie and, and mentioned that we might want to talk and that, that uh, Jamie and his band 1967 were looking for, you know, some production to, to uh, do an album or finish an album. So uh, yeah, we met around then. Jamie played me some of his um, uh, recordings that he had at that point. Um, and, and uh, yeah, and we just decided to, to kick it off then. So I said, let's see what was going on. It was, I, I will say it was, it was, I was intrigued because it, it, what I it was like some of the songs, not all the songs. There were there were all different types of things going on. But one of the things that intrigued me was there's there was a little bit of like a punk meets prog 
thing going on every every now and then in some of the songs and i was like well that's something i haven't done yet <laughs> that's something i haven't gotten to work on yet so that mixture so that kind of intrigued me so there you yeah that's cool so uh jamie um uh what is some inspiration that uh that came into writing the song that you put out? The inspiration for living life on life's terms. Huh, yeah. I, I, think, I think at the time I was, at least lyrically, it was, uh, I was getting some, some things written down about just, uh, you know, kind of like living, living one day at a time, living in the moment trying to stay in the moment and struggling with that. And, you know, I was going through a lot of discontentment, irritability, restlessness at the time. And I was definitely feeling spiritually sick at the time and living on self-will and uh, doing a lot of reacting rather than responding to everything around me and trying to take on the world myself basically and that's sort of how I've always chose to live and I had uh, I was taking care of myself pretty spiritually for a few years at that point and then I kind of stopped doing that and started slipping into some older behaviors that I didn't really want to get into and uh, yeah I mean it was it was kind of uh, it was a challenging time for me a lot of changes were happening um, a lot of anxiety with a new family coming into play the birth of my daughter and and uh yeah it was it was definitely it was a challenging time at the same time it was really really fun and really exciting and it was a new time and uh and as far as like i guess as far as the music is concerned it was just like some basic punk punk riffs that i had it was like they just kind of came out pretty easily and I guess when I'm sitting down and playing my guitar I really don't know where things come from it's probably from listening to other music or talking to somebody or <laughs> like I don't um I might have heard a band that was I don't I don't know I really don't know when I sit and doodle it's just things just start coming out it's really hard to explain mm -hmm. yeah you're letting your creative juices flow yeah, they were coming out at that time. Like, the channel was open. And God knows the channel closes once in a while, too, with me. Because I'll get into life stuff. I'll get into my job or work or, or whatever. Family. And, uh, yeah, at that point, I was, I was very inspired to start writing. So, yeah, it was great. So uh, what was it like uh, working with John to uh, put everything together? Yeah, working with John was was a great experience. He is very, very easy to work with. Uh, listens really, really well. Um, definitely, he's got a lot of wisdom. He's got a lot of experience. He's had a lot of su success. So, yeah, there's a, there was a heavy... I definitely got a heavy respect for, for him and what he had to put forth towards the project for sure. Like there's no way it would have sounded as good as it sounds if, if he wasn't there. <laughs> like, 
But you should see this guy on the board and, and the, the tricks that he has and, and all the the ideas and just all that time he spent doing this kind of thing. And it's like he's he's mastered or still working on mastering the craft. But in my mind, he's mastered the craft. Like all the stuff that he showed me was like, whoa, I would have never thought of that. And you know, the way he's setting up all the microphones and what kind of guitar sounds we need. Um, even the bass sound, I was I was blown away because I was using a I've had a red Rickenbacker, like a early late '80s Rickenbacker for my whole life, and you made that's you made that bass sound pretty pretty huge. Um, just listening to the final recording, I was like surprised. I was like, wow, that sounds really really good. And uh, yeah, the mixing, his mixing ear and and all that skill and all the, the gear, the way he's made it all work together is pretty incredible. So I'm, I'm very lucky and fortunate to have had an opportunity to work with him. I'll definitely do it again. Only if he wants to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. You're just saying all those nice things because I'm on the other, <laughs> I'm, I'm on here. <laughs> the with you. Version. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, yeah, no, I'm, it was great. Grateful. So, uh, John, uh, I was uh, looking at this, and, and I see that uh, not only have you worked with Creed, but you, you also worked with uh, Puddle of Mud and Godsmack. Yeah, I, um, I actually, uh, with Godsmack, I only got to do one song with them, and I think it was in 2009. Um, but it was, it did go on to be one of their radio hits. Um, God, what was that song called? Whiskey Hangover, I think, <laughs> of all things. Um, and uh, they were great to work with. I wish I could have worked with them more. Um, um, but um, but yeah, the Puddle of Mud, I, I worked on um, the entire first album. And I did the second record. We actually recorded that record twice, the whole thing pretty much. And then um, they asked me to come do it again. <laughs> I had been on that record at, for 10 or 11 months at that point. So I, I just said I couldn't do it anymore. And I, I was actually really proud of the record we turned in, you know, at that point. I thought it was... Um, pretty 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 cool and 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 kind of a, a step up for them but they went and uh i think they brought someone else in and they re-recorded some of that record and remixed it and it's kind of you know it's not i it i don't know what it's like maybe i produced 50 percent of it or 60 percent. i don't even remember now it got changed quite a lot the second Puddle of Mud record, but they brought me back to work with them also in 2009. Um, maybe it was their fourth album or fifth album. I can't remember. I did two or three songs with them. They were doing a record that um, at that point that had like three or four producers on it. Um, and so I was one of those, but I, um, I'm, I'm grateful and that I got to do the whole first record with them. Um, you know, I had no idea that was going to, well, I had, a, I mean, I knew it was a good record. I knew it was a really strong album when we turned it in, but I, I didn't really know they were going to have that kind of success. 
um, that they had. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was really, and, and, and one thing that was also cool about working on the first record with them was they didn't have a full time drummer at that point. So I got to work with Josh Fries on that album. And we ended up working on a few other records for other people after that, but what an amazing drummer he, he is, you know, I don't know if, I don't know if you're familiar with the name or not, but uh, she played with a lot of different people over the last 20 years. Um, but he was probably technically one of the best drummers I've ever, ever recorded. And not just technically, just a great, great guy too. Really great guy. Great musician. Well, speaking of that, um, Jamie, uh, who all have you worked with, you know, over the years? Who have any, I worked with over the years? Yeah. Uh, any, any bands or anything that, that kind of, that you've toured with that you uh, would, that uh, come to mind? You know, we did a few shows with in my other band, Project Staple. We we did a few shows with um, Head PE, Breaking Benjamin when they were coming up for Jägermeister tour way back when, and Sliva I think was in there as well. And um, and then a little bit later we, we did a few shows with with Slayer on their Jaeger run. Mastodon and Killswitch Engage were in those shows as well earlier in their career. Um, and then, yeah, tons of local shows, regional shows. Um, but yeah, the one band I remember was uh, my Nirvana cover band in eighth grade. Really? <laughs> yeah, it was fun working with those, those guys because we did a lot of the catalog in Nirvana. And um, one of my best friends was on drums, and then I had another good buddy who's playing saxophone. He was doing all those cello parts, and then we had a keyboard player. He's a he's a pianist. He played a uh, cello as well, and he was doing. We had him playing bass guitar and a keyboard with his bass guitar sound, and then we did all the the vocal harmonies. It was a lot of fun, kind of getting getting wet with that. And then I started my band Project Staple right after that. This is like mid '90s or something like that. I'm like a really young teenager and that that band Prozac Stable we worked on that for 10 years and that's we kind of got up to where we were opening for Slayer and then uh, you know things happen with bands with family and, and all that kind of thing and people having kids when they're in their early 20s it gets challenging it can break a lot of bands breaks many of them so and then uh and I've done a lot of uh, like cover band work over the years too, which has been a lot of fun. And um, but yeah, then started 1967 and 2011, and then kind of here we are. I, I bounced around about four different states with that band, different players, and all that. It's been a lot of fun. So, so, so what inspired you to start uh, 1967? Well, I hadn't played in a band for maybe four or five years at that point. And uh, I was really itching to get out and play live. So, um, I, but really what, what had started the whole thing was I was writing with, with the drummer of my other band, Prisic Staple, Gordy Burks, and we were writing riffs over the phone at that time. 
this is about, yeah, it's 2009. So cell phone, email, back and forth with MP3s, sending ideas back and forth. Like we just wanted to get creative and start working on something. And it was just, just like recently, I was just starting to write riffs and couldn't really help it and uh, wanted to share them with somebody. And yeah, we came up with about four 1967 songs at that time, but we didn't know that's what they were because I didn't, I didn't have a band. And then I went and recorded a demo in a, a local studio in Phoenix with a guy named Jim Woodling, who had a studio downtown there called Highland Studios. And he, he's the bass player of the Funk Junkies. I'm not sure if you've heard of them. Um, and yeah, I, had, I went and did drums in there. I cut the drums for the song. One of our first songs was called Dead End Life. And uh, took the rest of it into my own studio at home. It's my little demo studio and did the rest of the whole thing myself. Did a little three, three song demo. And uh, that's what I used to find musicians. And that's how I found my first drummer back then, the guy working at Guitar Center. And uh, through a couple referrals and some, some calls, I found a couple more guys for bass and extra guitar. And, I had a band again and it was like it was like starting from scratch <laughs> it was it was really wild it was crazy um i definitely wanted to give up even at the beginning of that time i was like man this is just crazy different perspective when you're in your early 30s compared to when you're in your teens and 20s um but yeah we start, started playing and a couple different lineup changes finally found a few guys i like playing with I had a couple different drummers and couple different bassists, one solid, you know, rhythm, solo guitarist, lead guitar guy, and we were kind of off and running. I played several hundred shows that first couple years uh, when, I, when we were in Arizona. And then moved up to Washington, did it up there with some different guys for a couple years, and then we moved to New Mexico, and I found another guy there, a guitar player, Went on a few shows, did a few tours when I was down in New Mexico. And then, yeah, I met John and said, yeah, I got to get these songs recorded. It's like, just got to keep going. I don't know why I don't stop. I probably should. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I think you should keep going. Don't, don't stop. Yeah, it's why something not? that you enjoy. It's fun. I enjoy it. So since you've been playing for such a long time, I, I'm sure you've had some... Uh, uh, interesting experiences uh, with some of your shows. Uh, does do any kind of stand out? Yeah, I was playing, and one of my guitarists, Scotty Science, he's a, he's a Phoenix-based guitarist in Arizona. There, good friend of mine, love that guy. He uh, he reminded me of a show that I totally forgot about. We were in Jerome, Arizona, and this is this little copper mining town up in a mountain up near Prescott, Arizona and Flagstaff and all those kind of places, Northern Arizona. And um, we were playing like some kind of three, four hour set. We were mixing our originals in with our, with, with some with covers and everything like that. It was one of the songs, I remember it was a really loud, it was really loud. And I know they were probably telling us to turn it down and there was a lot of alcoholism going around. It was a lot of drinking. It was a lot of fun. And this is a small town, so everybody knew each other. But there was a mosh pit going there in this little bar called the Spirit Room. And then 
through the middle of the song, someone was like, I, I broke a tooth. I think I broke a tooth or something like that. <laughs> like, and then I was in between a song or something like that, but we, we had to stop so he could find his tooth. That's crazy. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, wow. That, yeah, that, that would definitely stand out. That's crazy. There was another time in Prescott after the show, we were talking to a couple people at the show. They were really liking what we were doing and we were just having a little chat, kind of packing up. And, and uh, Scotty told me there was this guy who had a knife. He was getting ready to pull it on us. Like he was getting all mad or something. It was weird. Crazy things happen when people drink at bars. Put it that way. <laughs> I didn't know at the time. I was like completely oblivious. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I, uh, I go to a lot of smaller venues, and some of the stuff that happens is crazy. But then again, that happens at a larger venues too. Um, I I know, like uh, like in a couple cases, uh, uh, went to a Nine Inch Nails show, and. Um, uh, this was back when they put out that uh, that track survivalism, and uh, I was I believe I was in uh, Jacksonville watching the, this concert, and when they were playing that song, they had uh, uh, hidden cameras set up, and uh, one of the cameras was was in one of the bathrooms, and uh, I'll just say some people were doing some things in the bathroom that shouldn't have been, and. <laughs> they they quickly got caught out as soon as they could get in there and get them out. Oh. Yeah, and then we spent the night on the side of the freeway when my drummer Matt, he's the guy that he jumped on this this track. Matt Haskell, he his car broke down and we had to stay the night on the side of the freeway. He had all his drums packed in there. We had to like unload his drums on the side of the freeway, go do the show in Flagstaff, drive up you know six miles back to his car spend the night with the drums, couldn't figure out what was going on with his car. So we, like, I was basically, um, I slept in my car that night. He slept in his with his buddy. It was a cold night. So like you had to turn the heat on a little bit, turn your car on, get the heat on a little bit, turn it off, sleep for a couple hours, get really cold, turn it back on, do it over and over again. That was, that was rough. That was fun though. Luckily everything worked out wasn't too crazy with his car yeah that was that was pretty wild <laughs> I, I i can imagine show uh so it you know over the years you've probably uh, have done a, a lot of touring um uh any particular places that uh, have kind of stood out any venues or anything well, the big easy in spokane was a great show the Gothic Theater in Denver was a fun one as well. Um, I like to play in a place called Concord, California. That was fun. That was a really cool show, really cool people over there. Santa Barbara was cool too, LA. Later at the Hard Rock Cafe in LA, that was a fun show. We did, we did a little acoustic set one time in 1967. That was really great. They treated us really well. Um, yeah. This, too many shows to count. Portland's cool. I like playing here. Um, Bellingham, Washington's a cool spot too. It's pretty great. So, do you primarily tour like on the uh, on the West Coast? 
Yep. Uh, did you ever make it over to the East Coast? Never did. I haven't no. done that yet. Mm-mm. Yeah, there's there's a a lot of places that would probably be pretty happy to uh, have you play. Hmm. Take that into consideration. Yeah. Um, you know, where, where I live is uh, uh, Valdosta, Georgia, which um, I think, uh, John, aren't you originally from Tallahassee, from what I understand? Well, I wasn't really originally from there, but I I had lived I lived there for about 29 years. I, I went to I moved there right before I started high school and uh, I lived there up until 2003. So it's definitely kind of uh, and I have a lot of family still there. So it's it's sort of a home base. But uh, um, um, but yeah, I'm actually my I was born in California, but I, I did not really live there. My family moved away uh before i was even a year old and then kind of lived all over the place and then ended up in florida so yeah yeah well well so so you 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 definitely know the uh the area that i'm in uh, i'm not sure if you've ever been to Valdosta, but it's off of uh i-75 and um uh, there's one venue here that i, I know would really you know like uh jamie to play at um, it's called Ashley Street Station. It's a very small venue, but they have a lot of really interesting bands come through from all over the world. Um, uh, Jacksonville. Uh, uh, Jamie, ha- have you played any festivals? We played, uh, it was like a, I can't remember what festival it was called. It was where they did the whole <clears throat> mud run kind of thing. There's that little circuit there for a while doing that where they had bands playing with a mud run, mm-hmm. obstacle course type stuff. Yeah, that was Rock and Run, that's what it was called, Rock and Run Festival. Are there uh, any bands that uh, you haven't played with that you would really like to? Tons. Tons. Which one? Any bands. Absolutely. Yeah. Any that stand out? Oh. I mean, it'd probably be a dream to open for Metallica. That would be awesome. Uh, you know, it'd be cool. I, I'd do something with Nickelback. Um, you know, anybody in those kind of genres, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Fighters would be cool too. Oh yeah, that yeah, that'd be great. And uh, I, I mentioned to you before we started re- recording uh, that uh, I just got to see them like two years ago, and they put on a really really good show. And um, oh yeah, I I, I I think it would be amazing if if you ever got to play with them. Breaking Benjamin, another one maybe. That'd be cool. So uh, how, how do you feel where you grew up and where you live has influenced your music? Where I grew up, how it influenced me? Yes, sir. Well, I grew up near Seattle, about 60 miles north in a town called LaConnor. It's a small, small town in between Seattle and the Canadian border, basically. So, yeah, we had... 
on on one end we had the Seattle influence, like all your bands that were coming up, like Alice in Chains, Nirvana, Soundgarden, Screaming Trees, Pearl Jam, Mother Love Bone, um, many many others, and then. Uh, and then like, and you had Hendrix on the radio, you had Led Zeppelin, it was like killing the airwaves, or every Metallica was on, the, you know, just coming up with the Black Album. So that was influencing me. And then obviously the stuff I grew up on with my parents, like Rush, and my brother was listening to a lot of older Metallica, and Babysitters were showing me Metallica, Primus, Sailing in the Seas of Cheese, and all that kind of stuff. And then I was very heavily influenced by oldies, like stuff that was way back, like Jerry Lee Lewis, and you know, in the seventies, like bands like Three Dog Night, and a lot of Motown stuff as well. So, um, yeah, I had, had a lot of that going on. And then, then we had like started getting into Canadian rock radio because we had that up in Vancouver, British Columbia, coming in too. So, a lot of bands like Tonic and. Our Lady Peace and like all those kind of bands, like they were coming in too. So like we had a lot of stuff going on that we were exposed to that we got to listen to. So MP3s were just coming in late high school. So like Napster was rolling in, like you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Other than that, no exposure to any kind of digital stuff at that time. It was all radio and MTV and like all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean. So so. What do you think about the transition that the uh, music industry has made from, you know, analog things like uh, CDs to, you know, like uh, in, in vinyl to, you know, like MP3s and and um, and other digital media? What was that again? I'm sorry. Uh, so uh, over the years, uh, you know, the platform that you really listen to your music's changed. Uh, from uh, vinyl to uh, to CDs, and now there's a uh, uh, digital media uh, such as uh, MP3s. And um, uh, you mentioned Napster. I'm I'm sure that really uh, kind of broadened your horizons as to you know what was out there because you could get anything on Napster. Um, so, what what do you feel about that transition? from the way uh, people used to consume their music to how they consume it now. Yeah, I, it was interesting at the time. I was, I was basically a cassette and CD guy my whole life at that point until that happened. So it was a huge experience for me to go in and um, shop for music. I remember going into music stores and just trying to find stuff or things I'd heard on the radio or maybe something like, like a video I saw on MTV and it would push me into a music store like Music Land or Sam Goody or some kind of Joe Indie Rock, you know, he's got his own little music store, you know what I mean? And you'd go browse and shop and it was, it was definitely an experience. And sometimes the artwork was cool and you're like, wow, that's really interesting. That would almost make me buy things at that time. I might have heard of a band. Like, oh, that's really cool looking. What, what is that? Um, and then all the stuff that was inside, like all the shrink wrap and the smell of the whole experience was pretty cool. It was like something new. Or even if you bought a used CD, you know, it's like, oh, I got a deal. And then read all the liner notes and 
I don't know, maybe it was similar to buying vinyl for folks in the generation beyond myself. I mean, I know my brother was buying vinyl. He was only 12 years older than I was. He, was, he did all that. He bought vinyl. Um, so, but yeah, cassettes were cool too. I know I'd wear them out because I was so into the music. Like I bought a Faith No More tape one time. I think it was their Epic album that Epic was on. The Real Thing, I think is what it was called. I love that album. I listened to the hell out of that album. And then after a while, it just it starts not sounding as good. <laughs> Yeah, I think sometimes you, you got to take a break. Um, I, I've, I've been kind of the same way where I would listen to like an album or song on repeat. And eventually you get to a point where you're like, I, I got to hear something else. Yeah, I mean, the MP3s, you know, like they still sound good. Mm-hmm. Like they don't die. So, so it's 128 and above, I'm, I'm good on an MP3. <laughs> I can still tell though, it doesn't sound like a wave file or something fully uncompressed. I can tell it's just my little tiny bubbles in there, <laughs> barely. Oh yeah, yeah, that, there are some, um, some. I can't think of the term right now, but uh, uh, uncompressed uh, uh, type of files like uh, FLAC, where mm-hmm. it's, it's almost like listening to you know something on vinyl, like you hear everything. Oh, wow. Yeah. But yeah, I remember sharing MP3s with friends. Like, they figured it out before I did, and they were going, hey, check this out. I'm like, what, what is this? What the hell? And then they, they'd send me, like, software to encode an MP3 for my CD or something. Like, I could, I could rip my album into an MP3, and I could listen to it on my computer. And I was like, who cares at the time? I'm like, great. Okay. But obviously, I've morphed into that now. That's the world that we live in, and mm-hmm. yeah, thanks. Uh, if- it's interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a challenge. It's a challenge. But everybody can get their music out. But it's a challenge. Oh yeah, there's a lot of competition. So over the uh, past year, everyone's been dealing with the uh, pandemic. Uh, how has that uh, impacted you? as far as, uh, you know, your day-to-day and in uh, your music? Well, yeah, for, for a little while there at the beginning, it was sort of a shock. And then uh, I had a hard time wearing masks for several weeks. I had a hard time accepting it. And then finally I accepted it. Because acceptance is the answer to all my problems anyway. Um, and I just started kind of adapting to it. And yeah, it's been been challenging to be physically secluded from friends and family. We've done a few visits with family, and and we worked it out. Um, but yeah, it's definitely felt stressful. Definitely felt like a hard time. Uh, it's been been up and down. There's been some depression. There's been some some happy times. Like things are fine. Uh, massive precautions. I've, I've never washed my hands this much. And now I'm kind of, it's kind of beat into me. So I'm, I'm cool with it now. Um, I think it's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then uh, creatively just, I was dead there for a while. I was just kind of for a whole year. I just really didn't pick anything up and pick up guitar. Just kind of pissed off, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then uh, one day I just started picking it up and writing some music and writing some riffs and lyrics came out. 
definitely working on new music right now and working on some old music that I wrote with, with my guy in New Mexico right before I moved away from there. He wrote a couple songs, so I've been working on that finally. And yeah, I'd, I'd say I'm inspired right now. Well, that's good. That's good. Um, yeah. I'm sure when you having, you know, the extra free time that, that kind of allows your mind to kind of maybe not be stressed out from, you know, the normal day-to-day, and you can kind of uh, branch out to, you know, your surroundings and maybe focus a little bit more on on uh, the music itself. That's right. Yep, day to time. So, yeah, I'm ready to play live, but a lot of my peers are still a little gun-shy about it, so I have to respect that. Oh, yeah. Uh, over here in uh, in Georgia, it's it's been uh, pretty open, honestly, for most of the year. In uh, Florida, definitely been been open so uh, so there has been some uh some bands coming through here uh but no nobody big honestly uh i imagine it's probably been pretty closed off up there um yes yep pretty strict here absolutely as you as you mentioned, that, that, that really uh, impacts people in a lot of different ways from, uh, from the emotional aspect to money and everything. Um, ha- have you been able to, you know, use this to maybe work on other, you know, hobbies or side projects? Oh, yeah. Yep. Just been working, working really hard in the day job. Really dove feet first, or just dove head first into it. Kind of a live to work situation. So, yeah, was able to pick up a few gigs and take care of the family. So everything kind of worked out. So, yeah, we're grateful right now. We're we're pretty lucky right now. Fortunate. So, didn't lose too much. So. We were lucky. Uh, how's everything worked out with you, John? Um, you know, honestly, my life has not that different. Um, because I, you know, I generally, uh, in the last ten years or so, I've been doing a lot more mixing rather than producing or tracking. Um, and so. I do a lot of that long distance, you know, let people send me tracks and I mix them and then I, you know, send them uh, so they can listen to it. And so it's funny, other than uh, I haven't tracked anybody, haven't recorded anybody in a year other than myself. So that's different. But again, that would only take, you know, like, I, I don't know, I, these days I may from start to finish only produce about one record a year or so, maybe two. Um, uh, Sometimes a lot of people do EPs now, you know, a lot of people are doing, uh, so might do, uh, and and, uh, now I have missed, I I was playing out with my own band um, 
probably about two to four times a month, just two to four gigs a month locally here in Santa Fe, sometimes in Taos, sometimes Albuquerque, but mostly in Santa Fe, New Mexico, where I live now. And that, of course, I have not done in a year. I haven't played out at all. I uh, I did just agree to do a gig at, at our theater here in Santa Fe called The Lindsick that I'll be doing next month, but it'll be a gig with really no audience and a very small crew. Um, you know, so it won't be a regular gig, but it, it's for, a, uh, you know, they'll be videoing it and showing it and whatnot. So that's, that's changed a lot. So, but, but in a lot of ways, my life is kind of the same because I'm, I'm stuck in a room with a computer, <laughs> right? So every, you know, for the last 20 years, I've been doing all the, you know, so much recording with a computer. So, you know, just kind of a guy in a room with a computer most of the time. So that that's not too different. Um, you know, by the way, I wanted to mention, um, and I think it's kind of interesting. Um, I forget the name of the guy that played drums on on the new record with Jamie, um, because I actually didn't record that. Um, Jamie should should chime in. Um, um, but we, what Jamie's, uh, what was his name, Jamie? Matt Haskell. Yeah, Matt. And, and Matt, uh, does recordings and, and, um, has, does he have his own studio in Arizona? He does. Yeah. 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 So Matt, Matt, Matt and, uh, Jamie had started these recordings already and um when jamie played them for me um i've i've developed a pretty good ear at being able to tell like what's more about maybe the equipment you used and your limitations rather than i don't like to recreate the wheel like a, a lot of producers i know like like to when something's brought to them even if everything's great about it except for maybe the vocals, they'll go, oh, let's record this whole thing from scratch again. You know, they'll, they'll just start over. And I've never been one of those guys. I, I, I was like, you know what? The, the drums are really solid on this. And they were recorded pretty well. It, it, the, 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 the limitations of the recording were not Matt. They were actually kind of like the gear he had. You know, like he doesn't have the gazillion dollar stuff that I have access to. And uh, I was like, you know, we can make this stuff sound pretty damn good in the mix. I think, you know, we don't need to re-record your drums. So, um, so we, we basically only kept the drums. I think we kept some of the scratch guitars, but we did very few of those made them in there. They were kind of guides for us. And, and then we just went about kind of re redoing all the guitars and doing vocals and bass and, and other stuff. So I, anyway, I thought that was interesting. So I thought I'd share that. Oh yeah. And banjo. Banjo. That, that is a difficult instrument to play from what I understand. Oh yeah. I had just gotten that banjo, I think at the studio and that song, yeah, that's Friday night. That's in, right? Is that the one? Yeah, that's the next one we're going to release soon. I'm not sure we're going to get it out there, but that's next in line. 
Yeah, it was just a weird thing. We were talking about that that particular guitar hook in that song, and I was, I don't know why, because I don't, I just kind of heard that, like like the maybe a twangy banjo playing along with the guitar there would actually work, but yeah. Yeah, we had pre-production demos kind of ready, and um, yeah, that was interesting. That was cool that you were willing to do that. Um, and I think it'd be cool to do a, a new recording from the beginning. I think that would be really awesome. Yeah, I would enjoy that a lot. And and uh, I always love recording drums and stuff. And, and, uh, um, um, and, and yeah, and it's a whole different trip getting to do that. But but it was it was pretty fun the way way we did it. And uh, it was kind of nice having a map already, you know what I mean? Like we opened up these recordings and we did change the maps a little bit. Like some of the arrangements got changed. We, we just edited them. Sometimes we lengthened areas. Sometimes we shortened places before we even started recording and stuff. But um, um, but but I kind of, I, I don't know, kinda, I, I'm sorry, go ahead. You go ahead. Was that Jared? Uh, uh, no, that was Jamie. Oh, what were you yeah. saying, Jamie? I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. You can go ahead. It's fine. Oh, uh, anyway, I just like the challenge of it, you know. Um, and, and you know, maybe I had to work a little harder mixing the drums just to, you know, um, but I enjoy that too. Like, like if somebody recorded the drums with, with whatever they had at home and and they, if they played the drums well which matt matt did it, it was very well played and um you know it's like why redo that you know what i mean it's like like that's we got that you know so yeah that was great to be able to kind of mess with with some of that and and maybe we should put a picture on here. It was real minor stuff, but it really made a huge difference to be able to place a couple things here and there in some songs. I really liked that too. I heard I heard a lot of the same ideas. I agreed with a lot with, with, with what you were doing. Like I couldn't argue with it. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> That's it. Yes. <laughs> good good stuff. <laughs> yeah, it, it it sounds like uh, that both of you are are really kind of you know experts in in what you do, uh, and both of you have a really long history of uh, uh, working uh, in and around music. So I'm um, I'm sure that uh, both of you are going to put out some uh, amazing stuff going forward. Uh, speaking of that, do do you have anything, uh, Jamie or John, that you would like to to highlight? Well, John sang some great vocals on this track, Living Life on Life's Terms. You can hear him on the choruses. Pretty awesome. <laughs> Gosh, did, did I do that? I don't even remember. <laughs> I, did, I did some harmonies and stuff. Is that what I did? Some gang vocals, maybe? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I do that. I was actually doing that for, for uh, an artist today on a mix. I did some background vocals for him, but um, 
I can't even, you know, there's, it's, it's awful when you're a producer. Cause like, like trying to remember what you did a couple of years ago, sometimes is like, what did I, what did we do? How did we do that? Oh yeah. Well, yeah. John showed me this song he'd been working on like his, his own music. And I was, I was pretty blown away. It was, it was a great song. The mix was just incredible. Like the drums were great. Everything was just pinpoint and my my perfectionism is definitely my worst enemy for me as an artist it like put it's like i always think something isn't quite finished yet to put out you know um i need somebody like jamie or somebody to go no it's got to be done by this date we're putting out the cd deadlines you know <laughs> oh yeah do you have anything to add, John? Oh, no, I just, uh, oh, my cat just jumped up on my lap. Um, I, uh, no, I, you know, like I said, I just need to get my act together to, to and release some stuff. Um, I've got some new songs I'm working on right now. And uh, um, I just need to like, say hey they're finished i can put them out <laughs> or 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 maybe i need to remember um you know a friend of mine uh stan lynch and he was the drummer for tom petty for like the first what 20 years of the heartbreakers um and he's a great producer and he told me once when i was very young when i probably right i met him in the 80s when when uh Anyway, I met him in the 80s. He told me, he goes, you know what, John, you're it's never done. You just have to put it out. And I said, what are you talking about? Like, you guys are Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers and your albums are perfect. And like, I have Damn the Torpedoes and oh, my God, you know, Refugee. And here comes my girl. And they're just so perfect. And he goes, no, no, there's always a tambourine you wish you had added or a harmony you wish you had added or a guitar that you forgot to mute in the fade out. He said, there's always something wrong with every recording. It's you're never done. You'll be, you'll be trying to mix a record even after it's on the radio. So you just have to put it out at some point. He said, he said, I said, well, how do you guys do it with Tom Petty and the heartbreakers? And he said, uh, we, we run out of time or we run out of money or we run out of both. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> so, so I need, I need to take some of that to heart. So. All right. Um, well, we, I, I think we've actually went a little bit uh, over our time. So uh, just to, you know, close everything up. Uh, is there anything else that you guys want to highlight or maybe uh, uh, some websites or, or social media that you would like people to go to? Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can go to our website at www.1967band.com. And then 1967band is going to be our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter handles. And, uh, yeah, I'd say that's about it there. 
Let me give you my phone number. No, nah, no. <laughs> my address is, and yeah, my social security number is. <laughs> um, yeah, and people can find me at, at johnkurzweg.com, uh, J-O-H-N-K-U-R-Z-W-E-G.com, or on Facebook if you do that. I'm easy to find there too, so. Yep, and you can find the, the song Living Life on Life's Terms along with a bunch of other 1967 tracks. iTunes, Apple Music, Spotify. We release it on distrokid.com and all the other platforms you can imagine and think up on your own. All right, well, everyone needs to go to those websites, uh, listen to your music, and buy all the merch that you can afford. Right on. Right on. <laughs> Here we go. All right, Jared. All right. Thank you so much. No problem. I, I, I really appreciate uh, uh, both you and John uh, being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks, Jared. That's great. Thank you so much. Have a good evening. Great to meet you. All right. Yeah. Good night. Thank you. All right. All right, guys. See you later. Bye-bye.